This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Talk Yo Ish. I'm Tatiana, and I'm not only the hostess with the mostest, but I get people to spill all their tea while learning about their erotic, exotic jobs and professions. Ever wonder what a porn star does on her free time? Well, here it is. So enjoy the show. Everybody, this is Tatiana Tokyo Ish, and I'm here live with the famous David, and I'm going to say his last name, David Newby. <laughs> How are you? I am wonderful, Tatiana. But you know, my my full name is beloved is uh, David Roy Newby. Yes. The little translation is beloved King Newby. So, um, for the rest of the interview, please address me by my proper name, beloved King Newby. <laughs> beloved King Newby. I love it. I am here to bless your audience with wealth and wisdom. <laughs> you are a podcast podcast legend so far because I thought you'd be the first podcast I was you were on for me, but you're you've been on many podcasts before this. I am I am very honored. I thank to you. be to be thought of and talked about by you and your other illustrious guests. <laughs> <laughs> a little history about me and David. David um, lived in one of my mom's uh, rent rent of homes above ours back in Michigan. And I've known David since I was about 14 or 15. So if that gives anybody a timeline, um, I'm going to be 40. So, David, that makes you super old. <laughs> yeah, I'm 47. I'll be 48 next July. That's so funny. I can't wait. I'm so excited for you. Um, are, you don't even look it. I think I don't know if it's the Michigan weather or what, but it doesn't make a make us look old. What do you think? It's lots of uh, lots of humor and joy and uh, drinking <laughs> lots of water. My wife's oh. from the Philippines. She has skin like yours, so yes. I have to I have to stay youthful. Yes, she doesn't leave me. No, and I don't know if you know, but they always say white people age bad. Yes, black <laughs> don't crack. The more the more melanin you have in your skin, the, the slower slower you wrinkle, unless you're really. Abusing the alcohol and drugs and smoking and all that. I was going to say, well, obviously, neither of us have been doing that. And you could tell by our faces. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what were you for Halloween? Uh, I was I was beloved King Newbie. <laughs> and then the day that. after Halloween, yesterday, I went to a Filipino party and I was Uncle Sam. I wore my blue velvet jacket, the red bow tie and this hat. This oh is my. Oh, my God. Uncle, is that no. is that slightly right? If you like Burning Man, I even have the psychedelic goggles you put these on you look like you flick like you're on acid i've never done acid 
But Beavis and Butthead do America. They're all tripping out on some cactus to eat in the desert. Like, I, yeah. that's what you feel like when you're wearing those goggles. I so. like how you have to say, I've never done acid. That's how, like, mm. my dog is, like, right here, and he, like, oh, Jesus Christ. He's a pit bull, and he's, like, trying your to. Dad, your dog is on mushrooms. If I was going to do a psychedelic, I would do mushrooms because it comes from the earth. Like, or Alaska, I wouldn't do a man and me. That's what I would do. So I agree. And uh, as a person who maybe has seen someone doing shrooms, don't I eat a lot of mushrooms regularly, like as in my salad, but not uh, mm-hmm. psychedelically. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, okay. I want to let everybody know. So David uh, is on my show just because he has to be. Uh, we've been family for the forever. So we have, he was my mother's business partner, um, you know, still is. We're all hoping to hit a million dollars really soon. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. David's been working on that for a long time, but I have faith in him only because you are one of the smartest people I've ever met. Um, I don't know if you know that, but um, your IQ, I'm sure, is through the roof. I did not know that, but... Uh... Intelligence is good, but then you want to apply the intelligence with uh, wisdom. When you put the two together, that's when you create the the mucho dinero. You've always known. Uh, you've always had a lot of information, though. You've always had, and it wasn't like senseless information. It was useful always. I pretty much, because of my childhood, had to find useful information. Otherwise, I'd be in prison for murdering somebody. That's, yeah, most of us. <laughs> I can't believe mm-hmm. we've, we've grown up the way we are with, um, I mean, I had uh, I had good parents, I guess, and mostly one good parent. So I, I could have I taken the path, you know, another way, but I didn't. Yeah, we each have friends that abuse the substances uh, to their own demise, so. Yep, <laughs> friends. <laughs> so tell me about you back in high school, because you've always considered yourself nerdy. I never considered you nerdy, but you you seem to have always labeled yourself. Well, I uh, my mom uh, raised me to really enjoy education and appreciate education. Uh, like where my wife is from in the Philippines, you know, public education is free, free, yeah. but you have to pay for your books and your uniforms and make your uniforms. Yeah. So like, like a lot of people don't go to school after sixth grade over there. So my mom really just gave me a love of learning, like taking us out in the woods and studying animals and uh, enjoying books. And so, or I suppose a lot of people like don't like school after a certain age. Yeah. Um, I realized in high school, I thought like, for example, I didn't like to read. But actually, I just didn't like being told what to, to read. As soon as I got out of college and I could read what I wanted, I just started reading books on topics that interested me. So I had an evolution of realizing, yeah, I really enjoy learning. And there's, there's, we just have such a cool world around us. And whatever topics you're interested in, you know, you can study those things and, and learn information. Like you said, useful information to improve yeah. your life. So as you can see behind me, you know, I have a bookshelf. These are... I probably bought about $200,000 worth of courses and books and Jeez. probably another $500,000 worth of seminars. So I'm Love. very big on personal development and, you know, like they say, sharpen your saw, you know, keep your mind sharp. Well, everybody out there, if you guys want David to come to your seminar, <laughs> go ahead and, and log into Tokyo-ish at yahoo.com only because he is out there searching for all the useful information. Now, why you've done your own seminars, though, correct? Because you've written books. You're a publisher. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you'd be. Would you consider yourself a publisher? No, an, an, an author, right? Yeah. Yeah. I use uh, different publishers. Like, like this is my last book, uh, Beyond Billions. That was the first one that became a number one bestseller. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, I published three books. I'm writing my third book right now. 
And um, that one will probably be out right around Christmas. It's called uh, Reject to Royal. So that's a good title for wearing my little it crown. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so the subtitle is The Journey of Transformation, you know, how I transformed my identity. Uh, I saw myself as rejected for a lot of my life. And um, that was because of my stepdad told me he wouldn't adopt me when I was seven years old. So um, after that uh, incident, from, for literally for three decades, I was trying to prove my worth to my stepdad, but I didn't realize that was what was subconsciously driving me. Yeah. So yeah, I published three books. I published courses. Uh, you know, I've shared the stage with Robert Kiyosaki and well, one of the Rockefellers and you know some other billionaires. So uh, by God's grace, you know, my seeking wisdom and knowledge has uh, opened some cool doors for me. Um, so the fact that you, do you think you would be who you are today though, if your stepdad hadn't, if he had been this big, like loving, accepting person, do you think you'd be more like lackadaisical about having the strive to, you know, have to do something? It's a great question. Um, you know, all of us uh, have internal motivations and, and external motivations, both. Like I would say internal are the way we're wired, like, you know, the way we're designed, we all have our own different personalities. Um, like there's a really good book called the five love languages. So I took the test, um, when I was like two years in my marriage and I always encourage young couples or wherever you are in your relationship spectrum to take the test. If you haven't, you can take it for free on like the five love languages.com or something did you suck? for free. <laughs> did you suck? <laughs> well, no, there is no good or bad. Oh, okay. It's like, what is your natural language? Like, you know, we're speaking English. Obviously yeah. we both know how to speak English. Um, most people express love one of five ways. So for me, my number one love language is words of encouragement. My number two is physical touch. For most men, physical touch is one of their top two. My wife's top three love languages are in order, acts of service, quality time, and gifts. So you usually express love the way that you that you uh, receive it. Yeah. So for me, I'm always encouraging people and touching my wife on the shoulder and you know, even other people giving them little side hugs, right? You know, nowadays I don't hug women in the front. I don't want to accidentally touch Touch the boobages. Gotta wait, go wait. Give you the side hug. Okay, so, well, I was gonna say you don't hug them from the back, do you? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you just gave me a '90s flashback. Hit I, it from the back there. Okay, anyways. I swear, um, I saw that in my head. I'm like, David, please don't tell me you have leveled down by hugging women from the back. <laughs> no, no, no. I do it from the side. This okay. is the PC. Yeah. Uh, Me Too movement. No, no improper signal sent. Uh, way the to hug brotherly, somebody, so. motherly hug. Uh, I'm always encouraging and, and, and touching people on the shoulder or give them the side hug, right? Because okay. that's how I'm wired. So it'd be like my wife, her number one love language is acts of service. I can encourage her all day. And it doesn't do much for her because that's not her language. Her language is acts of service. When I take out the trash without her asking, when I cook dinner a couple of times a week, I do these kind of things, then she feels loved. Yeah. Well, so, you, um, you know, that's more, I, I hate to say it, but I think it's more of um, like mom, like my mom, you know, mom, um, from mm -hmm. being a European and things like that, she wants to see action. That's mm -hmm. what shows her is action. And same deal with me. She's like, well, let's not just say what you're going to do. I want you to not just talk about it. I want to see you do it. So for me, mm -hmm. I'd rather just do something. And I, I don't know right. if that's something from a lot of women that are um, from overseas because um, that's just the way they are. It's physical over there. It's everything's physical. Later. Well, there's a there's a philosophy that um, love is not a feeling. It's an act of your will. Yeah. So it's like you can tell me you love me all day long, but if you're not showing it with your actions, the words don't mean much. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because so, a lot of people tell you, oh, I love you. I love you so much. But if you mm -hmm. never seen them do something and I don't want to say necessarily for you, but do something. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you're you're just hearing it. You're not seeing right. it. I know you So love back to me. your question about my stepdad. So the tightest thing about the love languages, right? How you're wired is your is your internal motivation. So uh I would be naughty on purpose uh and get spanked five times a day. You know why I did that? You because you after to get my mom spanked. spanked me, she told me that she loved me and then she gave me a hug and she held me and she'd hold me in her lap. Yeah. I wanted, those are my top two love languages. It's spanking. Like, the naughtier I am, the more I get what I want. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> I think some days, I, my record might have been seven or eight spankings a day, but literally, <laughs> my mom told me, because I, for my memoir, I am going to be my mom and all my aunts and a yeah. lot of relatives. My mom said, she's like, she realized that no matter how much she would encourage me or hug me, she said it, she said it felt like to me it was never enough. She should have like just, I'm super wired. She should have just got up and punched you in the face and then hugged you and you would have been ready to go. Well like if I would have realized as a kid, hey, uh my mom was already my mom was already a really great encourager. Yeah. So it was like I just wanted more and more and more, but it was I was like a freaking crack addict. Like you know, <laughs> I need more crack. Where's my crack? Well <laughs> I was like Tyrone Biggums. <laughs> Like I want peanut butter and crack, celery and crack. You know, just I was a crack addict for affirmation. And then you need a whipping at the end of that. Right. You know. So, so my stepdad, Mm. my stepdad was a workaholic and never around. He never encouraged me. Mm. So I got a ton of it from my mom. But a lot of young men uh, want to be like their male role model. In my case, it was my stepdad, and um, I wanted affirmation from him, which I never got. So because I'm internally wired for words of affirmation, and I didn't get it from him. I would just try all these different things to try to get affirmation from him. Yeah. So the, for the people watching and or listening, if uh, if you didn't get something from one of your two parents, oftentimes that desire to get it is still running your life as an adult. You don't even realize it. Yeah, I agree. I have a big vision to want to make a big impact on the world. So I think I would still be working on fulfilling that vision. I think I would be doing it. I would have been doing it earlier in life. From a place of having a healed heart. I would say I did it from a long time from a place of a broken heart yeah. or a wounded heart. That's true. And so Proverbs talks about that. You know, this guy who created $4 trillion of wealth, King Solomon, he was an Israeli king. Tell me. Um, he wrote the book of Proverbs, which some people might have heard of in the Old Testament. Um, Proverbs is an instruction manual for life. Now, most people think, okay, why should I listen to some Jewish king? I'm not Jewish, right? Or I'm not from yeah. Israel. Well, he created $4 trillion of wealth. To put that in perspective, the new Forbes list just came out a week ago. The new Forbes it comes out twice a year. The American one in the fall about the 400 richest Americans. And the spring is the global billionaire list. I studied billionaires the last 10 years. All 400 of the richest Americans are worth 4.5 trillion combined. He had as much wealth as one person as the 400 richest Americans. So when you hear about people complaining about Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk have too much money. Yeah. No, they don't. No. <laughs> Solomon had 20 times more money than both of them, just yeah. to give you perspective. Yeah. Right. So his book, Proverbs, is all about how to have a successful life. So um, he talks a lot about the power of your tongue to bring healing and to bring death to others in your life. And so um, we can very strategically, and I spent tons of years learning how to use my mouth to encourage strategically and um and you can be very motivated and do a lot of great things so when you started in school obviously you being slightly a nerd is going to cause you to be a virgin all through till college right because you were a virgin. No, it wasn't being a nerd i had tons of girls trying to steal my virginity trying to get the salami but i was like no it's haram because 
You know that you're not supposed to eat pork. Stay away from the sausage. Okay, well, that's, that's on them, not on you. <laughs> no, I know. You would be I, saved. Um, I have a crazy high sex drive. Like, I was so sort of this weird thing where I didn't have a TV till I was eight. And then I didn't even care about how I dressed till seventh grade. It was like, was it till seventh grade where I started paying attention to girls? Like, oh, they're, they're cute, right? They're not just girls. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I would even in seventh grade would wear like orange and red together and just all these colors that clash. And I was horrible the way I dressed. It's sort of funny because now I wear like custom tailored clothes. But as a kid, I had no fashion sense. So um, that helps, like dressing so horribly. Uh, but by eighth grade, I was starting to dress nicer. And um, I pretty much talking to my mom, I asked her a ton of questions about sex. You know, at elementary school, you start hearing stuff at recess. Ooh, I know what homosexuality is. I know what bestiality is. Oh, this is how you make babies. This is, you know, the, what, what's a blowjob? Like, I hear all these things at recess, and then I would ask my mom what it is. Yeah. And so my mom answered any question I had. Your mom was sexuality. like, what the hell school are you going to? <laughs> well, my mom's in nursing school, and um, she just believed in you don't make kids curious and then go learn it on their own. You just tell them. Now, yeah. she did tell me little detail when I was younger. As I got older, she told me more detail. Um, but yeah, like, I was the only kid in sixth grade who's uh, my mom did not sign the waiver for them to teach me Help. sex ed because ah, she's a nurse yeah at that point she was a nurse and she's like she basically gave me a sex ed herself she's like she got her anatomy book out she's like here's the woman's reproductive organs here's the men's reproductive organs here's how a baby is made right there's oh, there's orgasms there's this part of the woman's body that's real sensitive and give her orgasm here or there she's and like I, so you're I, not a model every, a question i had she answered so I didn't feel like I had to go mess around with girls because my mom already gave me the answers. And I read like every book in the library about anatomy and sex by the time I was in sixth grade anyways. So you're over there teaching people. About well, by high school, I was the virgin Dr. Ruth. My sexually active classmates would ask me questions about how to be better with their partner because they knew I knew so much about sex. <laughs> Did they ever bring you in and want to show you? They're like, wait, we need an actual full... 3D. Well, no, okay. I never even masturbated until my senior year of high school. Jesus like, Christ. But I, like uh, eighth grade through onwards, I was looking at a lot of penthouse and uh, Playboy. Prefer penthouse much more. Penthouse letters, you know, great, great writing. Yeah, did you um, say the the uh, the Sing of Solomon is the original penthouse letter? Yeah. So Ecclesiastes. Solomon wrote three books: Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Ecclesiastes wrote as an old man looking back on his life, like he literally married 700 women. So if you like Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors of ice cream, yeah. he had 300 flavors of women. That like, sounds like he's like, STD. I'll have some caramel, I have some vanilla caramel, I have some vanilla chocolate. That I'll sounds, have like, every mixture you can think of, he a, had it, right? That's a so, pool of STD right there. You know, like, these, well, they only sucked with him. It doesn't matter. Somebody had something. <laughs> no, no, no. He. There he was, made sure they were all virgins when he married them. HPV. Nowadays in Saudi Arabia, you can do a surgery to get your hymen rebuilt. But back yes. in the day, you couldn't. They didn't have that. So. No, this was, it doesn't have to be over there. They do it here. They've done it here for the last 20, 30 years. Well, yeah, they do all kinds of uh, exciting rebuilds. Uh, yeah. Rebuilds of the engine or the you can get two put new paint in. job. Get two put in for the year. Yes, yes. <laughs> back so, back. Um, so, like, yeah, there were not ICDs floating around. But the point of that is, he experienced every sexual pleasure you can think of. And at the end of his life, he said, none of this stuff has really fulfilled me, which was really fascinating because a lot of guys think, oh, I wish I could be like Hugh Hefner and have eight women and I'd be so much happier if I didn't have to sleep with just one woman the rest of my life. That's actually BS. You can learn to be content in any situation. Of course. But uh, Song of Solomon, uh, also called sometimes the Song of Songs, uh, is like 
a straight up book about a husband and a wife just talking about how much they love making love and giving each other all pleasure and like it's very very detailed yeah that's the so like it's crazy here's the crazy thing right my mom knows i'm crazy into sex i asked her a million questions i'm a virgin dr boots in high school um my senior year i turned down like three women i turned down a couple of girls my junior year i'm not saying this to impress you just you know my, my self-control my commitment to waiting until i got married was tested because my mom told me sex is amazing it feels great orgasms are amazing one of the best feelings in the world and she said and it's not just physical it's a very deep spiritual and emotional connection she's be really really smart and wise about who you have sex with don't just have sex with anybody because it really deeply affects your heart yeah so because i realized oh wow it's not just physical i committed to wait till i was married because i wanted to have this deep amazing experience with my wife and she said if you have sex with a bunch of bunch of people before you get married it can um lessen the the depth of your intimacy with your spouse and create emotional conflict. So because I understood that, that's why I was waiting until I got married. It so wasn't just the Christian, the- be a good boy or a good girl. It wasn't that at all. Wait, so you waited? I did. I, I turned out a ton of women in college. I got made fun of all the time in college. So wait, your wife is the only person that you've ever slept with? I had sex with one woman one time before Rhea. Oh, okay. I was just asking. I gave in to the pizza boy fantasy. She asked for extra salami on her pizza and I fell for it. <laughs> Oh, that's that. That was the line. You were smart about everything else, but the pizza. <laughs> that guy it was. wasn't just that. I moved <laughs> in with the guy when I was twenty. When I moved up here to Detroit, yeah. Um, that basically he and his friend, his best friend, are telling me for a year and a half straight. You know what your problem is, Dave. You just need to get laid. I kept hearing that over and over and over again. Peer so pressure. It shows you the power of Peer who you hang out with and who you let influence you and what messages you're letting into your brain all the time. Were they white guys? Yes, they were horrible influence white guys. Terrible, terrible. Don't ever hang out with white guys. (laughs) Exactly. That's the lesson of this podcast. Now, would Raya... Stay away from whitey. Would Raya... I'm part of American Indian, so I don't count. (laughs) Would Raya get mad? Were you the... Did she tell you you were the first person she slept with? Or she didn't lie to you? Well, only her and God know if it's the truth. But she told me I was the first guy she ever kissed. No one had ever even kissed her before I dated her. Oh, but that's kissing. It's totally different. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, some some women might have not ever kissed a guy, but some with 10 women, 10 guys. I don't know. So wait, we're assuming that you were the only guy, right? Yes, to my knowledge. Okay, to your knowledge. We'll, we'll interview mm-hmm. Raya later. <laughs> I uh, I kissed about six girls before my wife. So I wasn't crazy experienced. I had only had like four girlfriends and kissed two other women besides uh, before her. That were my, you know, didn't have to like dating, dating. So. so how does Raya put up with you then if you're still up here on your sex drive? Because we're in our 40s now. We're about to be. So I'm. So um, I learned to. I have a friend, you know, he says he likes to have dessert after every meal. You know, dessert is is a sex. So um, I'm like like a once a day kind of person. But I learned to be content with a couple of times a week. So I, I just over the say, years. I'm sure she's not. Mm-hmm. She's not down for that. <laughs> you know, when you're newlywed, you know, you're all like enjoying each other. It's brand new and all that. Yeah, but you guys have been um, married like. Two decades longer than that. Three 25 decades. years. Now. Okay, close. Because I was at your wedding, so. Yes, we're a quarter of a way to a century. So close, so close. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me about um, your fantasy of being a stripper. Because how did so, you stay a virgin and you wanted to be a stripper? Yes, I wanted to be the virgin stripper where women were like bidding to touch my penis or something. <laughs> but um, you turned them down. You were slapping them down at every point. Like, no, no, you can only look, you can't touch. No, no salami for you, ma'am. Um, 
So when I moved to Detroit, there were these uh, ads on their radio. Back then, there was no internet. This yeah. was like 1994, free internet. I wish we'd done um, There's this, these ads on the radio all the time for this club called Danny's. It was a male stripper place in Windsor. You yeah. get across the bridge, go to Canada. Love Canada. Um, and then like they would say, like, hey, Wednesday night is amateur night. You can come try out. I was super tempted to go try out on amateur night. But then I realized, like, man, I just might, I might, like, just find some sexy sugar mama that, you know, I was like older women. I know it's going to marry an older woman. Yep. I'm like, there. if some lady that's 35 that you just got divorced and she has $10 million wants to be my sugar mom, I might fall for that. So, <laughs> so you I, never uh, went? I never went. I was uh -huh. really tempted. But part of that was I love uh, words of affirmation and physical touch. So if a woman is totally affirming you and fawning over you for your body, like yeah. that's just my two love languages combined, trying to touch the, the salami and <laughs> And, and yelling and saying nice things about how, how handsome I am. Wait, and then so. the third one, the money, because you obviously are going to want to be a millionaire before you die. So, I mean, them tipping you, I mean, that makes a lot of money. That makes, you know, me and my sister have worked in the clubs for the last 15 years. So we know mm -hmm. that this is how it goes and that we can pay off our houses and things like that. The money is, is quick. I used to make between mm -hmm. three and six hundred dollars a night just being at the front door without taking my clothes off. Can imagine? Yeah, and the girls inside. in the Vegas sometimes they're making a few grand, and I don't know a lot of girls all over the country making you know, oh. a thousand, two thousand dollars a night, pretty regular. More than that, down at the King of Diamonds in Miami, um, those girls are making between three, six, and fifteen grand a night. Because rappers. Yeah, so I think you really require intentionality, you know. Um, I've met some girls like I did when from in my early 20s, I first moved to Detroit. By the way, I had never lived in a town bigger than 100,000 people. I lived in Savannah one year that was 400,000. Yeah. But Savannah does not feel like a 400 person, no. per, thousand person town. That it is. has a small town feel. Um, so when I moved to Detroit and I like got my first full time job, I worked at Eight Mile and Lasher, which is like you guys don't see the movie Eight Mile. Yeah. You know, eight Mile separates the northern suburbs from Wayne County or Detroit. And, um, I was driving on eight mile. I had an eight mile commute roughly from the Quinder to Lasher. There was like six topless bars on that street. <laughs> yeah. Tatiana, I had such a huge culture shock. I'm like, I'm just Sodom and Gomorrah. There's all these evil, evil, lustful people here in Detroit. Like it was a really big culture shock. To Damn me. Detroit. So I went into some clubs. I felt the temptation. I went in there. I and, felt um, the temptation. <laughs> yeah. I would ask the girls about the business model. And some of them were like blowing their money and uh, some of them got on drugs. You know, some guys try to get girls hooked on drugs to get them to do stuff for them, right? Make yeah. them dependent on them. But some girls I met were really smart. And they're like, I'm going to do this for seven or eight years. I want to save a million dollars and retire. And I was like, that's a really good plan. That was one out of a hundred, but. Yeah, but a lot of them get sucked into the craziness of spending at the rate that they make the money, which a lot of people do. Yep. And then you yeah, don't want to be 35 and physically not be able to be a dancer anymore and have nothing to show for it. Oh, here in Florida, they don't, uh, that rule doesn't apply. They're like 50 and they're 60 and still going. There was a lady out in Vegas that the clubs actually got together a bunch of money for her because they wanted her to retire because she was like 70 and she refused to retire and she was like i don't have a pension i don't have they gave her a pension because they were like please 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 retire <laughs> please <laughs> well hey she should have advertised on the internet you have a granny fetish i'm your girl <laughs> well i don't think she she wanted you to think she was a cranny in any way or point but i thought her goals were really awesome because to me it's like being persistent and she was like i refuse to quit and if you don't give mm -hmm. me what i want i'm gonna show up every day with my saggy titties 
and I'm going to be sitting right there waiting. And I mean, she's probably one of the only ones paid. So I won't say her name because hopefully she'll be on my podcast. Mm-hmm. I would like. Yeah, that. I think it's really important to have a plan, whatever your career is. So, um, you know, if you uh, that's one of Solomon's teachings about uh, without vision, people perish. If you don't have a vision and a plan and you're carrying out the plan with accountability, then um, you can waste your life and not have much to show for it. So it's really important to be intentional about what you do. And I'm so for me, I was intentional away. about being a virgin and I. I, I knew that <laughs> I wanted to marry an older woman and I did not want to fall for the sugar mama trap. So I. I, I resisted going to Danny's and then I met my wife at work. So it worked out. Oh, that's perfect. Now. Oh, okay. So you met her here in the States um, mm. when she was working in that way. Be- did you know that you liked women of different descent or you just weren't into white girls? No. So my first three girlfriends were uh, a blonde, a brunette and a redhead. It was actually a redhead. Then a brunette, then a blonde in you, that order. You tried them all but out. But after that, I dated a Puerto Rican lady and a black lady. And I basically knew from the time I was like 12 that I wasn't going to marry a white woman. So I dated them. But I was just like, I lived for a summer in Alaska with Eskimos. I lived for a summer in the Philippines. So to me, it was like, those were such cool experiences. I'm like, life is too interesting and the world is too big. Like that expanded my view of the world. Like it's too, it would be boring to me to marry another white person. Like I just knew I was going to marry someone from somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> definitely you said it'd be boring to marry another white person it yeah would, well what do they call it they call it vanilla sex we don't want that yes Mm-mm. yeah plain vanilla i gotta yeah throw a little caramel a little, little, <laughs> little fudge in there so so yeah i uh i married a caramel princess so uh my wife when i met her so i love filipino people after living there for a summer and for, that was age 10. And so from 10 till 20, I met no Filipinos in the U.S. My senior year, my junior year of high school, a couple moved to my and started going to my church that had it was a Filipino wife and a white husband. And they had two kids that were, they call it mestizo, half Filipino, half white. But those are the only two Filipinos I met in 10 years. Yeah. Just to give you perspective, Tatiana, uh, in elementary school, my best friends were from Vietnam. Mm. So I was familiar somewhat with Asian culture and I lived for a summer in the Philippines, um, this again, this is before I was into girls, right? I, yeah. I wasn't really paying attention to girls at 10 years old. Um, but when I met, when I started, I got my job doing portable x-rays uh, in Michigan. Yes, because you were an x-ray I went to 500 technician. nursing homes around Detroit. I met like literally a thousand Filipina nurses. I was in Philippines heaven. <laughs> now the first 90 days, I never talked to any of them. They all thought I was a stuck up a-hole. Yeah. But I got a job doing portable x-rays and in college, I sucked at portable x-rays. I was crazy worried about getting fired. Like you got to x-ray your old lady with the saggy boobs. She's really small. Like yeah. you have to manually set how much radiation and the penetrating power of the radiation. And if you don't get it just right, your x-ray is too dark or too light. And so I was crazy afraid of getting fired in my first 90 days. So I never <laughs> talked to anyone. I just focused on my patient. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All I would ask the nurses is about my patient so that I could get a good x-ray. That's it. That's it. And so they're all like, oh, this guy is my and He's stuck up, right? That's Filipino for stuck up. Yeah. But no, in my mind, I'm thinking, I really hope these nurses are Filipino. If they are, there's like three of them I'm going to ask out. <laughs> Actually, the top two I wanted to ask out went to Rhea's nursing home. They worked with her. It's a so they're my wife's board. coworkers. With some, some and I told her this when we were dating, so this is not a surprise to her. That is so funny. <laughs> so I passed my 90-day review. Uh, I don't get fired. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't lose my job. I literally asked my dispatcher, Lonnie, which Lonnie was at my wedding, remember? Um, yeah. There was a black guy in with the guys. Yep. Lonnie was our dispatcher. I'm like, Lonnie, send me to Fairlane as ASAP. Like, Fairlane had ASAP. 50 <laughs> Filipino nurses in one nursing home. I didn't say STAT, I said ASAP. STAT. Um, STAT is like right now. ASAP yeah. is like as soon as possible. <laughs> It's a medical, we're using medical terminology. Yes, we got to explain you know, it to I know. the listeners. And oh, yeah, sorry. So we're, we're stuck in our own He sent world. me there the next day, not that day, but the next day. And how I met my wife was, uh, you always have to go into nursing homes in a certain place. You know, there's an approved entrance, especially ones that have psych wards. Mm-hmm. It was you go in anywhere. Yeah. We went in the, uh, on this one wing, and I really had to use the restroom. And it was on the Wait, psych number ward. number one we or number in. two? Number one or number two? Number one. It was okay. number one, thank God. But the key was like those uh, gas station keys with yeah. like the, with like the, the piece of wood on, on it yeah. or the wrench. Is that just yeah, Detroit? Yeah, so I asked, I asked my wife for the key to the restroom. I go to the restroom. I come out. And then I was like, the next use the restroom. So I'm like, ah, I'm like, so are you from the Philippines? And she said, yeah. We talked for like 10 minutes. I told her how I live there, how I love Filipino culture, what part of the country you're from, you know, what foods do you like? We're comparing notes on which are our favorite Filipino foods. And at the end of like our talk, she was like, hey, like me and two of my friends are having a birthday party. There's even like a hundred of our friends there. You know, the middle of the month. I met her like the end of March. She's like, our party's going to be like April 12th, whatever, two Saturdays from now. Do you want to come? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to come. Like I, I love Filipino culture and I'm so excited that you guys are from the Philippines. So I didn't know this, Tatiana, but yeah. I was her guest of honor. Her Aww. friends were all yelling at her for inviting me to the birthday party. Like, you shouldn't do that. That's improper. The guy's supposed to ask the girl. They, they thought it was her asking out to a date. Yeah, but she's This is a birthday party for 100 people. Like, that's how shy they are <laughs> in the culture. Oh, so they say. So they say, yeah. <laughs> it's all a game. It's all a game. Well, she was from the South, like out in the countryside. She wasn't from Manila. Yeah. In Manila, they called them Manila girls. Manila yeah. girls might ask a guy out. Uh, but anywhere else, like they're very like, like American women were in the 50s. Yeah. Like reserved, let the guy make the first move. Yeah. But see, like I said, Rhea is a lot, not a lot older than you, but she's fairly older than you. So she, she can, she, I think it's the control factor. She can see that she was the one that got, is the one to take control. She can say, you know, I want this. This is this is what I need. She's always, to me, been one of those women that are. She may not seem like she's in control, but I can see it. I can tell. She was. She's very. She's very on point with it. And I've always looked up to Rhea. Yeah, she's very uh, clear about what she wants. In the Philippines, the Philippines is the only country that's elected two female presidents. Mm. So there's a lot of strong women in the Philippines. Like though they like like they have this phrase in the Philippines. The, the the head the man is the head of the family but the wife is the neck that controls where the head goes oh definitely the italians too the italians yes. too 
I the women that. in the Philippines run the household and they're very uh, strong women. They'll let the men make final say on stuff, but they're crazy influential on the men. And they, yeah. Well, you know, they usually I'll, get their way. I'll probably tell all my secrets, but um, you just always, if you have an idea, you just have to make the guy think it's his idea. And then you just agree. And that's how you work it. It's never. See, really you didn't know it, but you're a hypnotist. You always get your husband to do what you want. That Pretty does us hypnotizing. But you got to make it seem like it's their idea so that they feel good. That's the ultimate salesmanship is when you can get <laughs> the other person to think it, you suggest an idea to someone in a way that makes them think it's their idea. And then they say, hey, let's do this. Yeah. I learned that at a very young age. I don't know if I learned it from my mom, specifically her saying it, but I realized uh -huh. that I could see little uh, hints, little things that she puts in that makes you, I mean, she does it to me. She does it to me mm -hmm. all the time. And then I get mad. I'm like, fuck, I fell for it. But then you're like, oh, it was a good idea. But mm -hmm. it, it that's the way it, it has to be. I mean, if you don't, because I do believe in, you know, the man being the, the more, you know, upfront, I'm very old school. So, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. your husband has the last word or the final say, I do believe that, but I also believe mm -hmm. that I can be influential. And if I want something, I, as long as it's his idea, um, then it, it, it works for everyone. Happy husband, happy life. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, lately there's, uh, some men almost say like they're afraid to be traditional masculine because yeah. they're going to be labeled as toxic masculine, right? That whole phrase, toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um, masculinity is is great. I like to call it, you know, masculinity is, is magnificent and femininity is fabulous. Yeah. They're both good. Yeah. Any good thing, if, if you can you can take it to an extreme where it becomes bad. Yeah. So the idea that, um, uh, you know, let a woman saying, let a, a man be in control or have a final say, a woman can let a man have a final say, and that does not disempower her. It doesn't mean she's less than him. No, um, it was her idea. You know, traditionally in America, men would say, especially down south, they're like, "Oh, like you know, the man's in control of the household." But we were just talking about when if women, when women are great communicators, they can influence their their man yeah. to make wise decisions that are good for her, like exactly. that are always the best decision for her. So, um, and and a man like honoring a woman and saying. Uh, I want your counsel. I, I want us to make decisions together. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that couples, there's this ancient Jewish philosophy that men and women should submit to one another out of reverence to God. The idea is don't try to have your way because you want it as a guy. And as a woman, don't say, well, it's my way or the highway either. Yeah, if no. you do that, you end up with fights where you can't solve it. Yeah. If you say, you know what, maybe you're right. I want to hear a perspective. If both people say that, and they humbly listen to each other and yeah. then they make a decision together, you can resolve any disagreement if you have humility as a couple. Yeah. So um, I agree. I think that masculinity is great and men should not be afraid to be no, manly. Yeah. Candace Owen did an interview with the lady and, there, and she literally asked this doctor lady, like, where have all the manly men gone? Yeah. And the lady said, because of changes in American diet, like a lot more soy and other yeah. things, like men have lower testosterone levels than they used to, like 30% yeah. lower. That's, That's why there's more infertility and um, why a lot of men are not as confident as they used to be. Like men physically have less testosterone in their body. That's so I think bad. it's smart for men to build up their testosterone like naturally, you know, with the diet, including yeah. the diet. And, um, and, and also, I think it's great that men are listening to women more than they ever have in the past. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, men should not be afraid to be manly. No. And there's nothing wrong with a woman. Um, I think the most empowering thing a woman can do is willingly submitting to a guy because she chooses to, not because anyone tries to make her. Yeah. 
Correct. Like submission is actually powerful. It's not disempowering. If a husband submits to his wife and the wife submits to her husband or people that are dating, it like shows so much honor to the other person. I think in general, you need a lot more honor. A lot more honoring of each other and how we live as a society. And and like you said, not being forced to submit is is something that's very powerful. And almost Oh yeah, you choose you choosing to. Yeah. If if you if you have the idea and you put it to where it's your husband's idea and then it's not right, he gets blamed, not you. And then you're like, well, you thought of that stupid shit, not me. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, uh, blame doesn't really help anybody. You know, like the philosophy that a lot of business people have is like, there isn't failure. You know, failure is a stepping stone to your next success. Mm-hmm. And actually failure is an essential ingredient in success. Yeah. Like there's a phrase, you know, fail forward fast. So like if you want to go create, create, create amazing things, you want to make more mistakes than the other person and learn from those mistakes and adjust your strategy. Yep. That applies in business. It applies in relationships. That applies. So don't be afraid to make mistakes. Yeah. Like take it, just make an action, but then learn from the result that action produced and adjust. If the way you're communicating with your partner is producing a lot of fights and it's like, okay, well, how do we adjust our, uh, our communication strategy when we disagree where it doesn't turn into big fights? You know, so like there's always that's always, you know, life is for learning. Well, you know, everything me, is for learning. I, I've always seen everything as like a switchboard and I'm constantly a plug away person. If something is not working, you give it so long and then you plug away at something else and maybe change your direction completely, mm-hmm. completely into two different ways. I mean, I, I'm I've always done that. Even with this podcast, I'm plug I'm plugging away. I'm literally just trying to see what fits and what works. And if it doesn't, like some people have a hard time changing direction. I can Mm -hmm. change. Like I've had people email me and they're like, listen, this is great, but you should probably redirect and do this. And I'm like, Oh, that's perfect. And I'm like, I like criticism. Like I need criticism. Mm -hmm. Some people don't like it or don't want it. I encourage people to start with your criticism, start with the bad news first and then move on. Mm -hmm. I rather get a bunch of criticism than a bunch of compliments so that I can make it better because the people mm-hmm. are who are going to make me great. Not me. It's the people. Mm-hmm. Gotta give yeah, I think want. that um, it's it's really good to be wise about who you receive criticism from. If someone is criticizing you and they want the best for you, and that, that like, even if someone doesn't want the best for you and they're just complaining, but if somebody used to be in their uh, producer for some radio show, like, does that have to be Howard Stern level? You know, in Philadelphia or Chicago or Detroit or any midsize or bigger market, yeah, like they have amazing, amazing input to give you. Well, let me tell you. But even just your regular listeners, yeah. if you hear a pattern of, of, of feedback, yeah, then like look for patterns in the feedback and adjust. Yeah, like that, that's really Con- really constructive helpful. criticism, I should say. Yes, that's what I. That doesn't have to come from love. I think when there's someone close to you, you want to surround yourself with people who care about you and criticize you, not just because they're critical people, but because they want the best for you. That's important for people close to you. But like with this, with your audience. Yeah, look for patterns and the feedback from your audience and make adjustments and be willing to experiment and just see what happens. And ready to do it. You know, Howard Stern, how, part of how his show got so big was people who hated him listened longer than the people who loved him. Yeah. The average radio listener in the 80s would listen to a show like 11 minutes. The average Howard Stern listener would listen for like 58 minutes. People who loved him listened 45 minutes and people who hated him listened an hour and a half. Yes, I his love haters. His haters were creating his success. Oh, you know what's funny, and that's what makes me scared because I do have a lot of listeners, and it's funny because my well, Brennan, my producer, you know Brennan, um, he he's like, wow, these numbers are really consistent, and he was like, you like really have like a two thousand person fan base, like minimum, and he was like, 
you are really loved. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of don't know. I'm like, am I super hated <laughs> or really loved? Because I didn't think I had 2000 friends that. Whether they love you or hate you, as long as they keep watching and listening and then more, and they tell other people about what you're saying or what a guest said, that's yeah. good. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. I saw your interview the other day. You embraced your Howard Stern. You were doing a little, uh, you had your finger between the two mountains and you were, you were giving the mountains a little earthquake. Was when? What? What interview? I don't even remember. You're on that show with a couple of guys. Oh, yeah. Somebody the was sitting next to you and you were. You were doing a little jiggling. Yeah. Oh, jiggling like this. M25, the M25 show. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, 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 I really like those guys. They're great. I was it like, oh, Tatiana's like... embracing her inner Howard Stern right there, whether she knew it or not. I probably, I didn't know. I didn't know at all. I didn't. But, you know, starting off in the clubs with the dancers and the porn stars and stuff, like, you know, I let people know, like, I'm going to progress i'm gonna keep going from there i you know we're not always gonna be sitting in the club we're all i don't care if you're a hot dog stand owner like we're gonna get an interview in we're gonna be comical and we're gonna laugh and we're gonna have a good time and then we're gonna advertise without having mm -hmm. to bang it out where you're like this is what we're doing i don't know i don't like regular interviews i don't want a script i don't want mm -hmm. you know something i want to be able to jump off the off the charts and like you know viewers don't know it but like i said I, i've grown up with you we've grown up with each other uh we've known each mm -hmm. other what 30 years uh 25 years something like that and i mean this is our first conversation that we get to have that's kind of more open because we're i'm an adult now <laughs> mm -hmm. so i mean to me it's 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 it blows my mind it's great it's wonderful that i can call on you and then you can jump right in because you know you normally don't get on there and talk about all your your inner stripper thoughts and that's not you you don't normally do that mm. but i know you were super excited to be able to talk about it with me and on the show because you get to tell people a different side of you yeah definitely i think that um you know i'm a christian i decided that at 17 and i studied like all the different religions but it was interesting because um i moved like up down south and in the midwest and i live you know in alaska and in the philippines so I moved 47 times growing up. Very unstable Jesus. upbringing. Yeah. So even like I decided Was to be your a Christian at 16. No, uh, no. I I um, I um, really never met a stripper until I was 20. When I moved to Detroit, and I, I think like six months after I moved here, I went with uh, one of my coworkers to one of those eight-mile strip clubs. <laughs> um, I won't name them, but it's one that's still around. What? It's one of the, the old school OG Name ones. it. Is it the pink pussy? Okay, I went, I went to Trump's. Oh, <laughs> We know Trump's. <laughs> it has it has a two P, so it's not named yeah. Donald Trump. No, it's not political. Just just called Trump's. But I went there. It was like literally like a half block away from my work, really close <laughs> to my work. We'll have to go. So yeah, I went to Trump's with a coworker, and then um, yeah, I just noticed like a lot of guys were trying to pick up the women, and like I'm really into sales and marketing. So basically, I'm like learning like the scripts that the guys would use. Yeah. You know, the different persuasion techniques they would try. <laughs> and then I realized like, oh, man, women have all these little techniques of way to get maximum money from the guys. Yep. So it's really, really fascinating to be like watching the dynamics in the club. But I hear something funny. Yeah. I am not at all like, what do they call it? Super intuitive. Yeah. But the first time I went to Trump's, there was this white, uh, white girl that was dancing for me. And I remember because like I worked afternoons, two till midnight. I went with my coworker at like. 1230 like before work so it's like you know like when the club first opened the lunch lunchtime crowd yeah. it's mostly like businessmen having yeah. business lunches and yes. then and you know up me and, and my work in. clothes and my coworker wearing our our, our x-ray tech clothes <laughs> and um and i was like i was like i was like i'm like you're from waterford aren't you now for people who don't know 
Waterford yeah. is a far northern suburb of Metro Detroit, like yep. 16 miles north of Eight Mile. My brothers live there. And I grew up every summer going to Waterford, and she just had like the Waterford girl vibe. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, you're from Waterford, aren't you? She's like, how did you know that? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I you just gave me that vibe. It's your, super, <laughs> it's your superhero power. <laughs> you know, she's like, tell me my future. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not a tarot card reader. I can't read the lights on the hand. None of that. You just give me the Waterford girl vibe. I probably met you on a lake, you know, uh, tubing, right? Getting pulled around by a boat when you were 10 years old or something. Tubing. Yeah. Lake Michigan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. But I know yeah, I that was, you it was a very it. crazy experience, Hatiana, like moving to Detroit and, you know, going to the clubs, being tempted to go to Danny's. But, you know, I think it's important for people, whether like, no matter what your belief system is, like be open about life. Cause a lot of guys who like are married and say they go to a church or synagogue, or whatever, like will never talk about sexuality. Yeah. Never. Right. Like, like this is taboo subject. Yep. Um, the Catholic and to me, it's guilt. crazy. Like, it blows my mind that this puritanical idea, like, don't talk about sex or or uh, or they used to teach women back in the day, Dang. use sex to control your man. These are horrible things. <laughs> you should never use sex to control each other. No? Uh, sex is an amazing thing to be celebrated and, and we should talk about it. And if you're a married guy, and you're struggling because you're having an affair or something yeah, like get support from somebody. If you, if you keep it all inside, you isolate yourself. You'll never improve as a person. If you like get support and talk about stuff, you can get support. So that's part of why I'm loving being on your show and talking about my, my stripper fantasy. Because not enough guys, especially guys who like self-identify as having some close religious belief. Yeah. That's important. And uh, we'll talk openly about sexuality. I think that's horrible. Like we should talk openly about sexuality. So I'm, I'm almost done writing my book, Memoirs of a Door Girl, and I've talked to you about it before, and you should have like literally some pages in there so that you can come in there and be able to talk about what uh, your fantasies, your sexuality, all of that in there. Just a couple pages in there. That'd be great to have a guy's perspective in there and not just some regular guy like your your family. So I think that would be that would be great. I think that would give uh, an open door because like you said, with of religion and things like that, like some guys don't want to talk about it or hold it all in and don't know what to say. That way they can see mm -hmm. you and then they'll buy your books. Yeah, I went to like a 12 step recovery thing where like for me, women are my drug of choice. So I went to that for like five years, but a lot of guys- Wait, wait, isn't that called- Chris, Check that, this out. So is that a sex I'm, I'm writing my memoir. I'm gonna write about <laughs> how like, addict, I, I almost went into the porno industry. So I never ever went to Danny's, but I had thought about seriously about going into the porno industry. <laughs> to do porn or produce porn? Both? Just to be in the industry. Like, yeah, like, I got really, really close. And like I, at the last minute, like really looked at what are my values and what's important to me and looking forward at family and what I want to do with my life. I knew I wanted to get married and have a great marriage. And I knew I wanted to be a great dad. My step, my stepdad, um, like never affirmed me. He was uh, applying to adopt me and basically told me he wouldn't adopt me. Yeah. So like, that was really hard when I, he told me that and I carried on that rejection identity. So not only did he not speak words of affirmation to me, he told me he wouldn't adopt me. He had two other women besides my mom pregnant at the time. He's like, oh, I'm not going to pay child support on three kids. Like he was already basically planning to divorce my wife. Yeah. My mom, excuse me, yeah. my mom at that point. Uh -oh. And so um, that was just like really, really hard for me. It was so hard for me. Like I erased my memory before age seven. Yeah. It was so devastating to me. Um, so it's crazy that if you, you should really look at what makes you tick because my desire for affirmation was so great that I almost did something way against my values 
to get affirmation. So I think that's important to look at what are the patterns in our life and what makes us tick. And yeah, I am going to write about that in my memoir because I think that, um, you know, a lot of guys would rather say I'm addicted to crack or, or alcohol, especially if they have any kind of religious belief, because like, like, like saying you have a sexual problem, it's like the worst thing in the world. Yeah. You know, like it, they really look down on you. They're like, oh, you have alcohol problem? Oh, no, no problem, That's brother. We disease. love you. We're going to help you with that. Oh, wait, you're addicted to sex and like you're strippers and going to the club, you know, going to the going to the, to the topless bars on 8 Mile. It's like, get away from me, sinner. It's like, that's not cool. You shouldn't See. judge someone just because your drug of choice is different than someone else's. Yeah, yours is vagina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what you just yes. call it out. Just call it out there. <laughs> well, you know, I've yes. had the greatest time talking to you, David. Uh, it's David Roy Newbie. Um, mm-hmm. And then also King. What did we say? You were the beloved king. king. David beloved Ray king. translates into beloved king. I love it. you've you've made sure that everybody knew that. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. if people want to book you for your seminars or people want you to come and be their uh, money guru, um, how can they contact you? So the um, the main thing I help people with, like you know, I we talk a lot about business stuff all the day, but you know, I talk to like seventeen billionaires one on one. Uh, I mainly talk help business people, whether they're aspiring multimillionaires or they're multimillionaires already or they're billionaires. Um, a lot of what's important to me is like business and family. There's a ton of people out there who help people make more money. There's a million sales, business strategy consultants out there. Um, I help people optimize their family because I like to say your family is the most important division of your business. So like if you want to get super loaded or you just want to do better than your parents, whatever you aspire to, whatever level of success, um, I think it's really important that you're strategic about building a strong family and passing on your values to the next generation. So that's what I do. Um, DavidRoyNewby.com. It's R-O-Y, middle name, and then N-E-W-B-Y. Go there. It's my my main website. Um, And then, yeah, there's links to everything there. And then, you know, Beyond Billions is the name of my last book. So if you look it up on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, there's a Kindle and an Audible book. They're beyond billions. Well, I say that to the first uh, person that emails me or you for Tokyo Ish, we'll go ahead and I'll grab a copy, a signed copy of your book because I don't have any signed copies. My mom has a signed copy of your book. So now I'm jelly. I want a signed copy of one of your books. Well, yeah, I'll I'll send you two. I'll send one uh, written out to you with a nice, lovely, personalized message. And then if you want to tell me the name of whoever replies first, I'll. Send you another copy and put their name on it. That'd it won't be, be as personalized. I won't know about them, but I always like I always write personal notes. Well, you can personalize them. it. You don't know them, but you hope to one day. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now you're gonna also hook me up with some billionaires. Two, two, uh, two, uh, two sugar tips. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure. I'm sugar tips. That's the first person. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Sugar, <laughs> I'm sure, sure. Sugar tips and Bambi will be the first two people that email for uh, for your book. <laughs> Um, I had a great time talking to you. We'll definitely do this again. Um, I also was going to make you promise me that you're going to get me a great interview with like a billionaire, maybe three of us. Uh, maybe, I don't know, are you going to travel down to Florida soon or maybe I'll come up there or we'll fly out together to one of your next, uh, ventures because I'm going to be tagging along and riding on coattails. I wonder who you would like to have on the show. Steve Wynn comes to mind because, you know, he has clubs in Vegas and all that. <gasps> Let's do it. I like it. That sounds great. Are you going to go see him? Soon? But I haven't talked to him. Uh, but, yeah, I'm thinking I'll, I'll, I'll let my mind percolate. Yes, that would be great. 
Do it. Do mm -hmm. it for me. Do it for Tati. And then I know after this, me and you are going to do some business things together if you're not busy. But I love that mm -hmm. I can go back in time and contact, you know, everybody that has been an influence in my life for Tokyo-ish and for the good of me. And um, I'm just cheap, so I get everything for free. So I always tell you, you owe me or I'm telling my mom. It's good to, uh, there's a thing called reciprocity. When you help people get more exposure and help them, then they naturally want to help you in return. So that's, there's a really good book called Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini, yep. fellow Italian-American. Yes. C-I-A-L-D-I-N-I -I is his last name. And uh, that book talks about like the seven psychological uh, constructs that all societies function by. So reciprocity is one of them. Well, I'll have to read that book because that sounds like it interests me. Yes, yes. Uh, you can teach all of your dancers. You can teach your, your girls how to become more influential using Robert Cialdini's uh, techniques. I will do. How about for Christmas? I'll just hand out pamphlets. Do they have the cliff notes of that? Because they're not going to. You know, a lot of people sell PDFs of cliff notes of books now on like Amazon and stuff. I don't know if they carry their laptops Another... around to the club, though. Well, no, if you have the PDF, you can just load it uh, online and oh. give them a link. Yeah. I get people in my notes like like I know a few billionaires like I'm talk I know a couple of billionaires in Australia and you know I I you know them and talk with them, um, but one of them has a course and then like I have a, a notes from the course and sometimes I'll share it with other people who are business minded and want to be really intentional with their uh, influence and making sure that they're um, you know can be as successful as possible and as influential as possible. Perfect. Well, do you want to leave anybody with some final words? I would say um, to summarize things, you know, it's really important to know what makes you tick. So I think I encourage everyone listening, um, take that test, the five love languages test that we that we talked about. I'll put the link Second up you in romantic relationships and even in business relationships. I know a guy who helps people with $15 million or businesses. Mm -hmm. He has them take uh, the five love languages test and their top clients that are paying them 25000 plus a year for coaching. Jeez. He has the clients even take that love languages test. So that they can communicate and, and serve each other most effectively. So it applies even in business relationships, not just in romantic. Yeah. Uh, even with I the agree. kids, there's a five love languages test for kids. So I'd say take that test, um, you know, read my book, Beyond Billions. If you want to be really intentional about using Solomon's wisdom to create multi-generational success, because that's what I'm committed to from my stepdad not adopting me. You know, I committed to being a good husband and a good father. And I've really intentionally done a lot of work, invested over 200 grand in personal development to do that, you know, to learn how to be a good man. Right. I didn't have any example of it. And then last but not least, I would say um, really like make a plan for your life. And too many people don't um, don't intentionally build their life or their future and think about their future. And I think that's really, really important. I do, too. I agree. Well, I love you so much, David. And I can't wait to see the kids and I can't wait to see Raya. And um, really soon we'll get together because we need a family reunion. It's been a while. Yes, we do. Uh, we're going to have a private party at one of your clubs in Florida where Absolutely. We're, uh, we're basically it's friends and family only. And then I can fulfill my my, my stripper fantasy. Yes, please. I was going to say that's on your bucket list. And I hope that your wife will let you do it because you have to. Everybody has to dance one time in their life. Everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody. I encourage everybody to do it at least one time. It's uh, this empowerment that you just have to see you just have to feel it at least one time even if it's taboo or it's dirty or it's not right or however a person feels you have to you have to do it uh, now, just so you know one time i did do some gymnastics moves on a stripper pole <laughs> is it the stripper pole you own yes <laughs> i do <laughs> i'm over here telling on you i don't want to get in trouble <laughs>
But yeah, you like I uh, I took gymnastics as a kid. I taught myself how to do backflips out of a swing set in sixth grade I, I, to I, impress I, girls. I, I built my own bungee cords in seventh grade and jumps out of, out of trees with my friends to impress girls. I did some wild and crazy stuff to impress girls. But, then, up, but. but then slapped away when they tried to come. You're like, bah, no, such a tease, such a tease, David. All right. Yeah, well, I, I did to... it only for only for uh, for a very select audience. But yes, I want you to think of what your stripper name is going to be and do not. It's not going to be the beloved David Roy newbie. No, it's going to be a uh, bent arrow. Got to use some crazy little. Ooh, which part of his body is bent? Ooh. I'm sure. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you already have a name and I'll make sure to get you a T-shirt. <laughs> that came from my brother because my mom almost named me Street Arrow. Could you imagine a white dude named Street Arrow? Oh, movie? God. All the sexual jokes, right? Yes, you would have I was been... already called Screw Me and Do Me <laughs> and Screw Me and nicknames in David high school. Screw so. Me. <laughs> yes. You know what's a little where are you? Okay, yeah. I think I think that okay. no, I think your I think your dancer name is Straight Arrow. I think that'd be perfect. It's not Ben, it's Straight Arrow. You have to honor the name that your mom was gonna give you. And you know yes, yes. she would have made you would have been a porn star, period. Point blank. I hope she knows that. She saved you. You would have God been a porn God star. delivered me from that future with, with my mom, not needing to be straight arrow, yes. Yes. Tell her. That would have pushed me over the edge if I thought about going into the industry. You would have been like, Well, my name's already pointing me in that direction, so that's hilarious. Yes. All right. Well, I, love I hit you. the bullseye every time. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure I put that down in the links below in your description. It's gonna be great. Along with your picture. Actually, we're going to have to yes. probably take another picture. Listen to the podcast to discover David's almost stripper name. <laughs> Perfect. I'll do that. I love you. And thank you so much. And we're going to do this again. And I want you to contact your people because we are going to go visit your friend in Vegas and see if we can do some interviews. Because that would be my fantasy. We're going to work on that. I'm excited to bring that to reality. Yay. All right. This is. I love you, Tati. Thanks for having me on love your you show. Too. I hope this is. Everyone, leave comments for Tati. Engage with her content so she knows what kind of future content to create. I'm probably a bad host because, like, I don't ever say that. I just, <laughs> I got. That's why I said it. Okay, See? good. Because you know, you always like... want to tell your audience what to do. So, oh. like, hey, tell us what you liked, what you didn't like about the interview. All right, I, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm gonna start telling everybody what the fuck to do. Do it. Listen to the podcast. I want you to leave comments and I want you to email me at talkyoish at yahoo.com. Thank you. Recording stopped. Okay, let me see. Molte grazie. Are we at a, are we at, are we at 2.30? Thank you all for listening to my podcast, Talk Yo Ish. Like I always say, every episode better than the last. Now, don't forget to order your Manscaped with promo code Talk Yo Ish. Everyone deserves smooth balls. Till next time. Bye-bye. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now